0: baba the listing we're discussing was if someone hurts someone else's children how, how would he pay it when does he have to pay the father when does he have to pay the children if someone hurts a girl what does the father get what does the father not get and she gets and with that we're going to start perhet Amud Aleph four lines in by the beginning of the line which is if someone hurts someone else's he has to pay uh, all five things and review does says he does not have to pay for embarrassment because slaves don't have uh bullshit. so the gma asks what's your reason he, who says that if someone hurts kenani, you don't have to pay for the embarrassment because they don't have embarrassment he'll tell you he learns it from a pasuk it says in regards to embarrassment, ish If two people are fighting, a man and his brother, now the pasuk over there is talking about uh, the one of the people who are in a fight, their wives come and she uh, grabs the other person by an embarrassing area and she embarrasses him and she has to pay for it. Now it says over there, Ahiv lo Achba. It's only in regards to someone who has brotherhood with someone else. Yatsa Ayvich and lo We're excluding a slave. Either he's not allowed to marry other people, or he's not, or he doesn't have brotherhood, meaning he's not related to his family. Ver will tell you the word ahiv is mitzvot And Ayvich Kenani, whether you like it or not, he is your brother because he does have to do some mitzvot. Ayvich Kenani does mitzvot like a woman. So now the Gemara asks a question on Rabbi Uda. According to Rabbi Uda who says the slave is not your brother. If witnesses were caught lying about the slave then they should not have to be killed. The Pasuk says we do to them what they wanted to do to their brother and he's not their brother. Amarava, amar afsheshat, amar krayes. But the pasuk says, "Ubiarta hara amikirbecha mikol makom." You have to punish the the bad. You have to burn the bad away from your midst. It doesn't make a difference. Even if the testimony was on a slave, the gemara says, "Elam elatad Rabbanokai." According to Rabbanan, they hold that Avigd Kanani is considered your brother because he does do some mitzvot. Avigd Yekashir deMelchut. Then a slave should be kasher to be a king. The Pasuk says, From the midst of your brother, you should put on uh, new a king. So he's your brother, technically. Then a slave should be able to be a king. But the Gemara responds, But according to that, What about a convert? According to everyone, he should be be a king. Now we know the halacha is not like that. Ela, the real reason is because Amar Kera Mikerav Achecha. We were Doresh for the midst of your brothers, meaning Mivhalshav Achecha from the best lineage of your brother, and that's why a Gera and a Goy are not kasher to be a king. Ela Meata, okay? The Rabbanon, according to Rabbanon, who said the slave is your brother, he does some, for the year. then a slave should be kasher to testify. Dechtiy v'hi ne'ad sheker ha'ad sheker ana be'achiv. It says the word and he is technically brother, so he should be able to testify. You can't have him testify because to mm-hmm. be because we're going to exclude a slave from being able to testify from a from a woman. Meaning, uma a woman, she could get married to Jewish people and still she cannot testify in court. Eved. A slave, he is not allowed to marry a Jewish person, and all the more so that he should be invalid to testify. The Gemara says, yeah, but maybe, but maybe there's a difference. You know, a woman cannot have a brit milah. A slave could have a brit milah, technically. So the Gemara explains, we're going to bring a proof from a child. He's part of the mitzvah of Mila. he has a Brit Milah, and still, he's not allowed to testify. It says Anashim, he's not an Aish yet, and number two, it becomes a testimony that you cannot prove false, meaning you can't punish the witness, then the testimony is no good. Meaning if you cannot threaten the witness that we're going to punish you with the same thing, because of you as a child, then the testimony doesn't work. The Gemara says, "Heba, malekatan sheano bemitzvot." What He doesn't have to do mitzvot. Period. Tomar be'avit shehu bemitzvot. But with a slave, maybe it's different because he has to do some mitzvot, like a woman. The Gemara again pushes isha tochiyahu. Again, we have the problem with the woman. Sheeshnava mitzvot, She has to do mitzvot. Ubsru lal'agdut. And she's invalid to testify. B'chazaradin and the whole limud goes back again. yeah, Isha, but no brit milah. A child, but he, but he's no mitzvot. Lora isekir isev, velora isekir isev. The reason to be posi- to invalidate a woman and a child is not the same. Hatzad shavishah b'hen. But bottom line is, what's the common denominator between all them? Shekhen enanu bechol ha-mitzvot. Isha and a katan don't have to do all the mitzvot. Only some of them. Oops. And they're invalid to testify. I'm going to bring the slave that he doesn't have to do all the mitzvot and he is invalid to testify. But the Gemara asks a question. But a katan and a isha are not men. A slave is a man. We're going to learn it from a thief. Who's invalid to testify? But the Maasav Garmudo. Yeba with the thief, his action caused him to be invalid to testify. Tomar Maasav Garmudo. But with the slave, his actions are not what caused him to be invalid to testify. So he, technically he should be Kashela Adud. Migazlan mahanach. Rather, we're going to learn that a slave is invalid to testify from a thief and either an Isha or a Katan. A slave is a man who's invalid, a woman or a katan, they're invalid even though their action didn't cause it. Common denominator between all them is they don't do all the mitzvot. Either the thief because he just doesn't do the mitzvot, or a woman and his, and the child is because they don't have to do all the mitzvot. Bottom line is someone who doesn't do all the mitzvot is invalid. And we're going to bring the slave who also doesn't do all the mitzvot, even though it's just because he's not high up. Still, he's invalid to testify. Mor Bered Ravina amal he'll explain the reason to invalidate a slave from testimony is because the pasuk says fathers should not die for their children meaning meaning people cannot die based on the testimony of fathers who don't have a children lineage meaning slaves now the Isal and Albanim Now if you want to say the Perush of that Pasuk is like what we understood in Masakit As is where a child testify on a father. Then Lichtovra Hamana just say fathers shouldn't die on their children because of their children. My banim, why do you have to say the word banim? Not their children, just children. It's coming to teach me that people will not die based on the testimony of people who don't have children, meaning slaves. So now the Gemara asks, Based on that, It says children should not die because the father, okay, We should say that people can't die based on the testimony of children who don't have fathers, meaning if that's the case, then a ger, I mean, his father's not his father. Technically, he's a new person. We should say that he's also. He's invalid to testify. What are you comparing a ger to a slave? A You know, a slave. You're right. Doesn't have any lineage going upwards, meaning his father, grandfather, but he does have the ability to have children, have family that way. La puke ayved. we to exclude a slave. De en lo ha'is, He doesn't have a family. Not upwards. Not downwards. Not grandparents. Not children. De isal kada ger pasul aydu. If you want to say ger is invalid to testify. Lichtom brachamana loyim tu avot al benehem write the pasuk that fathers shouldn't die because of their children like we said that fathers shouldn't die with the testimony of their own children and just say that children should not die because of fathers not their fathers, the shmat mean not here, and you'll be able to learn two things hada number one that children should not die based on their relatives' testimony, and number two is that you, that people should not be able to get killed based on the testimony of people who don't have uh, their father lineage, meaning And then we'll learn. Uh, that a slave is uh, invalid to testify, the Homer from a Ger, and the Kavahomer will be Uma Ger de la Mala, who de Hayis of a Pasula Adut, and will say a Ger who doesn't have family upwards, meaning his father, grandfather, but he does have a family lineage, meaning he could have children, grandchildren, and still Pasula Adut is invalid to testify. A slave. Who's worse off doesn't have a family, not upwards, not downwards, and all the more so that he should be invalid to testify. The fact that the Torah says that father should not die because of their children, he didn't say their children, just said banim. it sounds like we, a person cannot die based on the testimony of a father who doesn't have children meaning a slave. What I understand is that only a slave who doesn't have lineage upwards or downwards is invalid to testify. A convert, since he's able to have children, and they account after him, he should be to testify. Now, if you want to say, look, this drasha only works to be a slave. Uh, But the rest of it, it doesn't work. It should say that children should not die based on their father's testimony. It just says fathers. It didn't say their fathers. It sounds like a person could not not die based on a testimony if someone doesn't have fathers, meaning even a ger. So the Gemara will explain. I did khatav al-banim. Since the beginning of the pasuk had to say that fathers will not die for children. And just said children, not their children. Then therefore, nami so ubanim Therefore, the end of the pasuk said children should not die on fathers. It didn't say their fathers. And therefore, we're not going to invalidate the convert. But we are going to invalidate the slave. Next, we learned in the Mishnah, atan the hurting whether they get hurt or they hurt others of her is bad same thing with the slave and a woman and the gemara says a story imed rav shmuel bar the mother of rav shmuel bar Aba from hagronia She was married to Rabbi Abba. The Shita Mequbetz explains the story in the name of a Gaon as follows. That uh, Rav Shmuel was her son from a different marriage. Happened to be her second husband and her first husband had the same name, Abba. What she wanted to do was to make sure her now husband doesn't get her money. She wanted to move it away and give it to her son. She wanted to make sure that her husband's other children don't get their hands on it. It goes to her son. But After she passed away, Azal Rav Shemuel Baraba came to Rav Yirmiya Baraba. Rav Shemuel Baraba went to Rav Yirmiya Baraba. He brought up the case. Rav Yirmiya told him could keep the money. So Rabbi Abba, her husband, went to Rabbi Yudah, and he told him the story, Rabbi Oshaya went to Rabbi Yudah with the case, Rabbi said, Rabbi Oshaya. This is what Shemuel said, if a woman sold assets that belong to her that her husband is allowed to eat from the fruits, if she sold it while her, while her husband was still alive and then she died, her husband has first right and says if he's the first buyer, he has the right to pull it out of the buyer's hands. And therefore, when she died, he becomes inheritor number one. And therefore, he you know, it's his money. And therefore, she had no right to give off that inheritance money to her son. Rather, it belongs to her husband. So, the halacha is wrong. Rabir you're wrong. Uh, Shmuel said totally different. So, so they told uh, the, the, the words of Rav Udat Rabir Miyah. And Rabir Miyah responded, Anamat nita Listen, I don't know what Shmuel said. I know a Mishnah. The tenan, it says in Masacher Baba Batra, Hakotev Nechasav the Ebnol Someone wrote his assets. He gave it the son as a gift. He gave it him as a gift from now. Just he has the right to eat fruits uh, until he passes away. So the son cannot sell these assets Because they're in the father's possession The father cannot sell it either Because they're written off to the son If the father sold it It's sold until he dies If the son sold it The buyer doesn't acquire anything until the father dies. Now, what Rabir me understood from this Mishnah is that when the father died, okay, then the buyer gets something. So, same thing over here when she died, then her son should be able to get it. And even though the son dies while the father is alive, and they never came to the son's hand, but still the sales sell. And after the father dies, then whoever the son sold it to gets that asset. And this is on Lakish It doesn't make a difference if the son died while the father still alive. The money didn't come to the son yet. The assets didn't come to the son yet. And it doesn't make a difference if the father died first and the money came to the son's hands. In either case, the buyer acquires it when the father dies. Tamar, like I was said, if someone wrote his assets to his children for now and for after death. If the son sold this while the father is still alive, and the son passes away while the father is still alive, Rabbi Hanan explained that the buyer didn't acquire it. Even when the father dies, because the way for him to get it was through the son. Son's not here anymore. Ishlakish <laughs> Amar Kana says, no, the buyer acquires it. And the Gemara explains. He'll tell you ki mat, ki nitin, lo lokeh, when the Mishnah said that if the child sold it and the buyer didn't buy it until the father dies, and when the father dies, then the buyer buys it, that's the That's if the son didn't die while the father's alive. That they came to the son. But if the son died while the father was alive, the asset never came to the son. Then when the father dies, the buyer doesn't get anything. And al-ma, it sounds like a behind the The fact that you have the right to the fruit is like you own the actual asset. It sounds like when the son sold what he was going to get, It's it's like selling something that doesn't belong to you. And Rabbi Shimon, who says that the buyer acquired it, he'll tell you, He'll tell you, when the Mishnah says that if the son sold it, the buyer doesn't acquire anything until the father dies, When the father dies, then the buyer does acquire it. It doesn't make a difference if the son didn't die while the father's alive. The Atuli Deben and they came to the son's angel. It doesn't make a difference if the son died while the father's alive. The Lo Deben, the money didn't come to the son yet. Either way, the buyer acquired it when the father dies. Because you have to say that Rishlakish holds kinyan mean, the fact that the father owns, right, the fruits and not the actual land is not strong enough. It's not because like if you own the land, and when the son sold the land, it's like he sold his land. So now, Rabir is the one who brought this Mishnah, and then he brought the Rish Lakish and everything. But he brought this Mishnah in regards to the father giving his son the land today, but he gets the right to eat the fruits until he passes away. And this is this is how he connects it to our Ve'anan hashtah, and let's say now, ben rebirmiah bar abah, ben Rabiuda Yehudah, ben lakish Let's say that both rebirmiah and Rabiuda hold like resh lakish. In Masecher de Bamot, the P'sak was like resh lakish. So we're going to say that both of them hold like resh lakish, but they're just arguing what, what he says. And therefore, ve'ka'amah rebirmiah bar abah, if you want to say owning the right to the fruits is according to the actual land, then if the father dies and the son first dies while the father is alive, then why does the buyer get anything? When the son sold land, it wasn't his. He didn't sell the asset that belonged to him. You have to say that ownership of fruits is not like owning the land. And therefore, the fact that the husband in this case had a right to eat from the fruits is not strong enough. And therefore, she had a right to give it over to her son. So whatever Yabimiyah just said, they brought it back to Yudah said, This is what Shemuel said. This case with the woman who sold her Niksemilog is not like our Mishnah in regards to the father giving the land and keeping the fruits until he dies. It's not the same case. Because Maitama, what's the reason it's not the same? Amar of Yosef, Bishla but Rabbi Yosef explains, I would understand if it, if the Mishnah was written opposite, where, where a, a, a son who's dying writes his assets to his father, but the son could eat from the fruits while he's alive, and if the father would have sold it to someone else while the son's alive... It is not sold. And if Rish Lakish then would have popped in and said that even if the father died first and the, the, the assets never came to the father and the buyer would acquire it after death, the death of the son. Okay, then I can understand that ownership of the fruits is not like owning the actual land, not the actual asset. But now that the Mishnah was talking about the father writing it to his son, I could have said, I could say the reason the buyer would acquire it after the father passed away is because at least the son had a right to inherit over here. He was in line to get this land. So maybe the rules are different in regards to the son. Now bringing it back to our case with the woman who gave it to her son, we don't have this The husband has a right to eat from takanat hachamim. And maybe in that type of case, his ownership of the fruits is stronger and it's as if he owns the land. So Amr tells Rav Yosef, I don't understand your whole logic because atu yarit abba abaa la Are you telling me that a son only inherits the father? The father never inherits the son? We all know that... If a son dies without any kids then the first in line to inherit him is the father. Ella, we have to say that that Mishnah was talking about where the, the child over here doesn't want to give it to his children, the grandchildren, he's trying to move it away and then giving it to his father. And in that case we're not going to say that the buyer acquired it from the father because the father had a right to inherit him because the father didn't have a right because they was children. And that's why, if it would have been the opposite, I would have thought, because owning the fruit is not like owning the actual land. Okay, I would have made a case over there. So, Akharami, same story over here, where the father is writing his assets to his son after he dies, even though the son is in line to inherit and We could always say, Maybe what the father is trying to do is give it to one son and not to the other children. And that further proves Resh Lakish that owning the fruits is not like owning the actual land. And that's why if the son sold it, then after the father dies, the, the, the buyer acquires it. And bringing it back to our case, let's say that the woman's gift to her son actually counts. So Ela, you have to say, when Rav Yehuda said, What does that mean when he said, Oh, it's not the same thing as our Mishnah. Mishum, Takanat Usha, is because of the takana of Usha. And Usha, they said up that although when someone all owns the fruit it's not like he owns actual land but by husband it's different we don't want any fighting between the husband and the wife therefore the husband can stop that sale if a woman who sold Assets that she brought into a marriage that the husband has a right to the fruit. If she sold it while uh, while her husband's alive and then she dies, habal yada la The husband can take it away from the from the buyers. And Baravin Afanana we also learned it like the like Usha, we have a Braita says, if witnesses come and say that we testified that this person divorced his wife, he gave her ktubamani her. and then we found out that she's in the house and she's serving him. We found out that they're liars. We don't say that they're going to have to pay her entire Kitubah, which would include the 200 zoos plus any assets she brought in, because you never know, maybe she'll die first and she won't get those assets. Ela, what they pay her is tobatanat ketubata. They give her the benefit of her ketuba, which is a little bit. So, ezu at ketubata. So, what is that? So, om din kama adam rotzel liten bichubata She sheim nit amela onit ve veimet ayirshena baala. How much would someone want to buy her rights to the kutuba for? Meaning, if she gets divorced or if her husband dies first, she'll get that said amount. So he'll take that amount. So he's buying that in advance. But also there's a chance that if she dies first, he doesn't get anything. So how much would someone want to pay for something like that? Now, if you want to say we don't hold like Takanat Usha where the husband has a stronger right, why Why would we say that her husband has the right? Why don't she just sell her entire ketubah from now? Rather, you have to say that there's takanatusha that the husband has a stronger right than just a regular inheritor. And Amar Abayin, I don't like this proof because you could always say that there's no takanat usha and a woman could sell all her assets while her husband's alive because because you'll always be stuck okay let's say she's allowed to sell that's where she owns the actual asset and the husband has a right to the fruits let's say she could sell that but what about that son bazel that she brought to about that's assets where It totally belongs to the husband, just whatever it's worth has to go back to the wife in case there's a divorce. And over there, nobody would say that she's allowed to sell it. So you can't guarantee that everyone would hold of Takanat Usha. Could be the reason she can't sell is totally different. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Le'olam. Amen.